Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noelle Cordell. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I.co for more information. Your adventure awaits. Hey guys, what's up? We have a very exciting topic and episode today. Uh, with me is Noel Cordell. Yes, hi everybody. So you know what's funny? Um, I, I've been I've been um, just off the side. I've been talking about past lives with friends and at dinners and stuff. And I gotta say, um, I feel like Noel. We joke around uh, as her being my older sister, even though I'm technically older than her. Um, I feel like in a past life you were my older sister. Like that's. That's the feeling I get. That explains a lot. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> and it's great because I never had an older sister, and to have someone uh, who can give me advice and coach me and tell me, you know, who to stay away from. But you know what? I also love that you're protective, but you're not controlling. Or is that just not happened yet? Um, I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have to see how things go. I can't imagine being controlling. There's nothing I want to control. No. Okay. Well, our, 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 our dynamic works, and. Uh, she is going to break down, and this is really fascinating, the science behind a broken heart. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about it. Um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but New Year's Day hit in 2018, and I heard about um, maybe from five friends that relationships were just blowing up oh, yeah. all over the yeah. place. And I, I think it's really common over the holidays, and so this is a topic that's worth understanding from a neurobiological perspective because often – when you're experiencing feelings and emotions, you know, it feels like your world is crumbling. It feels like everything is just, you know, so painful. But what's really happening is that we, are, we as humans, are actually animals. And we are subject to a very specific set of chemical interactions that take place in our brains that cause these feelings. And it can be really helpful to understand it from an inside out perspective that, so that you know, you know, no, I'm not crazy. This is really happening in my brain. Yes. When you're able to pull the curtain back and you see how things work, then you don't feel so crazy because what we do is we just go by our feelings and our feelings are, you know, all over the place. And suddenly we just lose control of our, our lives basically. <laughs> exactly. My favorite coaching statement is that feelings aren't facts. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So let's break it down. Yeah, let's talk about the facts. The facts. So fact number one, uh, romantic love is an addictive drug. Straight up. Um, it is a drug that uses your limbic reward system and it's activated by dopamine. So if you have a relationship that's expired that was very heavy on text message communication, Facebook message communication, likes, dings, Instagram, tagging, that shit produces dopamine. Yeah. And when it goes away... You can compare love-stricken subjects with cocaine and opioid users. Wow. Yep. Same thing. You go through tolerance of the experience, then you go through withdrawal, and then sometimes relapse is even possible. That's why people keep going back. That makes sense. I mean, I think that um, if you compare it to something like cocaine, right, and, and we usually don't. Um, but but then you can actually really understand how powerful that is. Yeah, right? and and the way the way that we know this is it shows up on MRI scans. The mm. same areas of your brain are activated with love stricken 
feelings, and addiction. This is why we go to our exes, throw pebbles at the window, and we're holding, you know, our stereos above our heads and trying to win them back. It's it's not so much sometimes that we want them back, but it's the uh, the uh, the drug. Right? It is. It's right? the addictive quality of it. It's yeah. the parts of your brain are lighting up that are craving this dopamine hit that you used to get from your past lover. Mm. Yep. And 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 which in the the underlying foundation for all of this is that romantic love. Um, is is all about passion. As humans, as human animals, our bodies are just trying to reproduce, period. That's all our bodies are trying to do. And sometimes our brains will hijack us and take us along for a little bit of a ride. Um, There's something called romantic love. Romantic love is a little bit different from... um, a, a family love, a companionate love, a platonic love. There are all different kinds of love and all different flavors of love. But romantic love, the kind that we're talking about today, the cocaine-like one that really fucks you up, lasts for about 12 to 18 months. And it's important um, because it keeps the relationship together long enough, hypothetically speaking, to have this drive to reproduce. So you might notice that relationships tend to go south after about a year or 18 months. Mm. Pretty much. And and what happens um, when you're dealing with these kinds of flurry or feelings is that you're unable to continue to work, uh, raise children, and you get really preoccupied. So that means after about a year... Um you have to really daily choose to love someone because, right? I mean, like, chemically-wise. Not necessarily, no. no. So after about a year, your serotonin levels um, go back to stability and the dopamine continues. So serotonin is a stabilizer. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the passionate romantic love, you know, the rest of the world can burn and you're just focused on your partner. Um, That tends to end and you move into more of a companionate love where you're deeply involved with someone, where you're verbally involved, where you're invested and you're invested on lots of different life fronts. Um, Perhaps you're nesting and going into more of a family situation Mm -hmm. than a courting situation. Right. And what happens when um, that blows up and you don't move into the family situation is that your testosterone levels go up. Oh, and this is, is this why people get angry? This is, well, you go through a lot of different phases. Um, You know, stage one of all breakups is protest. And the first thing that happens is frustration and you feel intensely restless. You start to feel nostalgia. You go back through all of the things that were good about the relationship. You get obsessed with reunion. This is when you play back the highlight reel. This is when you play back the highlight reel. And common behaviors associated with it are pleading and letter writing. <laughs> right. Right. How many have you ever written Begging. a like fucking feelings email? Uh yeah, seven eight seven to ten pages. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. But also, you know, you're also um having this conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, did I make a mistake? What can I do to get this person back? Maybe. Um, you're just reviewing the black box and the whole crash. And that's actually pretty healthy, but it depends on how you process it. So from a therapeutic perspective, when you're dealing with these kinds of really heavy feelings, you know, by all means, write the emails, but also take time to journal and write for yourself. Yeah. And if you're not used to journaling, 
this is an especially helpful exercise when you're going through a breakup because you can really start to sort out the roots of your feelings, past relationships, ways that you may be re-triggered or re-traumatized, um, especially if you've gone through you know, serious breakups or divorces in the past. It just all comes flooding right back So to real quick, and I know the answer to this, but I want to hear it from science. Um, what, what, what's the advantage of actually journaling? So a lot, generally speaking, a lot of men don't write down their feelings. What's, you know, instead of just uh, thinking about them, what's the advantage of actually putting it pen on paper? Um, well, that, that goes back to why narrative therapy works is, you know, when, when you're sitting there and you're just sitting in your shit and you're just sitting with your feelings, you're not processing them. You're just being subject to them. And when you start to really write everything down and sort it through, you kind of put it into different files in your brain and start to make sense of it. And you begin to become one with yourself and reclaim your story for yourself. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So step uh, stage one is protest. Stage one is protest yes. where you're, you're trying to avoid all this pain. Um, and then you might notice that you're really intensely focused and alert. That's because the combination of cortisol, dopamine, and norepinephrine are flowing through your body. And that causes the feeling of panic, mm. um, which often manifests as an actual physical pain. You can feel it in your throat, your stomach. Also behind the feeling of panic is the distorted thinking, which is like, I'm going to be alone forever. What now? You know, like all the other stuff that, that we... Uh, oh, hell yeah. Right, that increases the panic. It increases the panic. And it's also a chemical reaction. It's a straight up chemical reaction. Rest assured that whatever you're feeling right now, whatever you're experiencing right now, you will move on. You will find someone new and you will find someone who had the same qualities as your past lover. So that's the hardest thing to swallow. And I think that's why people get stuck is they think that if I let go of this, there's going to be no one else or no one better. You know, only if you live on an island. Right. (laughs) So the, the next stage that comes up is rage. Um, and rage is a real thing in breakups. And yeah. I think this is the part that it's the most difficult to contend with emotionally because you feel fucking crazy and you really want to lash out and you have violent, impulsive behavior. Yeah, this is a slashing tires. Stalking, <laughs> Stalking. jealous yeah. rages, attacks, lashing out. Yeah. Um, 32% of female murder victims are actually killed by ex-lovers. Oh my God. It, no, it's wow. a real deal. I mean, think about oh, this. So geez. your testosterone is going through the roof. You're, you're feeling despair. You're feeling physical pain. And then you start to feel rage because your amygdala is activated. And we're not saying this to say that it's okay to do these things. We're, we're just trying to get you guys to understand what's happening. Yeah. You need to understand your brain and your body. And yeah. so when you're feeling um, quite literally violent impulses towards your former partner, it's sometimes helpful to take stock and be like, you know what? This is a totally normal and natural reaction. Um, I need to figure out different healthy ways to get an outlet for my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get to this a, a little bit more strongly later on, but men and women process things differently. Going and physically screaming is really helpful. Telling your story over and over and over again, even though it's going to annoy the fuck out of your friends and family is really, really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. So get it out. Have you ever experienced rages, John? Uh, sure. Absolutely. 
Um, I, I try to um, take it out in the gym or I do something physical, um, go for a run. Um, but of course, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I've, I've never um, contributed to that statistic. <laughs> right, that's yeah. good, that's good. Um, but of course I've been angry, absolutely. Yeah, no, I've been in a complete psychopath in the past and I think uh, coming with age, that's one of the things that I try to avoid yeah. and be really yeah. emotionally responsible knowing that I can be triggered to that point. You know, one thing I'll do is I'll, I'll uh, send an email, but I'll send it to myself first, right? And then so I'll let all the rage out. I'll send the email to my fel- myself, and then a couple hours later, I'll read it and then realize, okay, that that's not coming from my heart. That's coming from rage. You have such better impulse control than I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So now once, once we get past... Um, the the pleading stage once we get through the rage next up is depression yes we all know this depression low levels of dopamine norepinephrine and serotonin um 40 of people experience moderate depression upon the ending of a relationship and 12 percent experience severe mm, depression yeah so it's real you have to really cut yourself a break your your brain chemicals have basically been going completely bananas and when we're depressed is when we're most likely to um, cope with alcohol, drugs, you know, uh, also like sexual behavior, other things that's going to numb or, you know, make us feel less depressed, right? Yes. And 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 that's men are more likely to use alcohol, drugs, and engage in reckless behavior. Mm-hmm. Women are more likely to cry, lose weight, withdraw socially, mm. and retell their story over and over and over again. Ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> but you know what the what the, the key to all of this is? Is support systems. Yeah, if, if absolutely. You, if you have valid support systems in place, you are more like you're less likely to have these behaviors be isolated. Yes. Um and and it's incredibly helpful. Isolation is actually the worst thing you can do. Very much so. Yeah. The worst thing you can do. So does this end? Um, yes, it does. The your brain chemicals do heal, and they you will return to normal. And as I said before, you really will move on, and you really will find someone new. I know it doesn't feel like that at the time, but please just know that that's an absolute reality. Um, the bad news is that it can take eighteen to twenty four months to subside. So Mm. you want to give yourself time and giving yourself time to understand that you're going through a wacky brain chemical period and perhaps not jump into a new relationship right away can be really beneficial. Um, I remember when I went through my divorce, um, it was like a magic switch went off after the two year mark. And I was like, holy fuck, I feel better. Um, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. and, and, and And you can get through it in... It quicker you can get through sometimes it takes up to four years for people if, if you've had a really deep intensive relationship but typically two years is about you know what you can expect to heal from a very deep relationship um and, and but this doesn't mean that you know for two years you're going to be miserable that's not what what it means but it just means like to actually heal uh to move on right yep yeah so, so our, our brains naturally do everything that um that ke- that chemicals do to manipulate your your feelings. So, like antidepressants um, manipulate your serotonin and dopamine levels. Um, your brain and body does all of that stuff naturally. And life, the curveballs of life, are 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 why we all need help sometimes, right? So when you're wounded, 
mentally, emotionally, or intellectually, your brain chemicals get screwed up. It is physically impossible to be human and go through a breakup and not have this happen to you. Mm. So I think self-compassion is the biggest gem here. You know what? A lot of people after their expired relationship, um, they almost get into this kind of like race where they're going to try to get over the other person faster than the other person. And so they think, okay, you know, um, three months, four months, and then I should be good. And then they start measuring. uh, And if they're not, you know, well in three or four months, then they start getting mad at themselves. And so what's helpful here is it takes one to two years. Yeah, it really does. Give yourself time. Give yourself time. And, you know, and that doesn't mean that you can't participate with others or you can't participate in other relationships. Those will actually probably really help you heal, but you do need to take the time to heal. Um, so how, how can we help? How, how can you help someone that's going through a breakup? Um, I think the first step is to really understand that this is natural. This is normal. Everyone goes through Mm -hmm. it and you will get better. And you will go through it again and again. (laughs) And you will go through it again and again. Um, And this happens with friendships too. You know, it's not just, um, you know, limited to romantic love. If you've had a very deep friendship that goes south, the same shit happens. Totally. So what else helps? Um, Exercise. Exercise helps incredibly because it replaces all of those endorphins and the dopamine that you're losing when you get to the depression stage of things. Also, can I just say with exercise, uh, don't just go to the gym thinking you have to do work, but use it as a, a as a time and space to connect to your own body, like to actually um, feel good about yourself and create a space where you could grow your self-esteem. So, because a lot of people think like, oh, I got to go work out and it's like this chore. And if you think of it that way, it's it's not going to be sustainable. No, absolutely not. And And it's, you know, and if you're thinking about it too, it's like you're giving your brain the vitamins that you need to start getting it to heal. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's so important. Uh, sunlight has the same effect. So making sure that you're not isolating, you're not staying inside, that you're getting outside, you're moving your body, you're engaging in sunlight. Um, sleep and serotonin are, are what happens uh, more effectively when you get enough sunlight. Um, you really have to pay attention to your nutrition during this period of time. And that may feel counterintuitive because you may feel like you just want to dive into a box of wine and a vat of ice cream, but sugar is really one of the worst things for you at this time. And, you know, whatever your feelings are about recreational drug use, this is a a no judgment zone, but you really want to limit that. Mm. Low sugar and no drugs is the way to help your brain heal. And when you're thinking about this, um, not so much from the perspective of coping, but what do I need to do to get my brain chemicals back in order so that I can move on and function healthily in everyday life? That's pretty strong motivation to kick the sugar and kick the drugs. Um, Smiling stimulates dopamine. Smiling, laughing, watching funny movies, um, joking with your friends. I struggle with that even when I'm not going through a breakup. That's not true. You smile all the time. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it with your help and guidance. Um, but it does. Yeah, I actually think that smiling definitely, uh, it changes the, the chemicals in your brain. It does. It stimulates dopamine. Um, it changes your facial structure. It reduces stress because a lot of people carry stress in their jaw and their face. Um, and, you know, that leads us to our next point of talk therapy. 
Um, and whether that's talking to your friends, talking to a therapist, talking to a coach. And oh, by the way, we have oh so many awesome coaches, a lot of whom are willing to offer free sessions. Mm, yes. If you're going through a breakup, come see us. Um, talking to other people stimulates serotonin and helps replace all of those chemicals that go down when you're in the depression phase. And just a final thought, remember it's going to take some time. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think that uh, it's really important for you guys to think about what's happening to you instead of just going and uh, uh, and just just going through like the tornado of it. If you understand why and what's happening, it, it just it's you're able to pull back and really look at the big picture. And also, um, if you guys know someone who's going through a breakup, give them this info. Uh, give them this podcast. You know, let them um, help other people and help us spread the message to. Let people go through expired relationships in a in a healthier way. Absolutely, we all deserve to feel good, stable, healthy, and capable of building what we want in life. So that's why we're here. Yes. All right, guys. Be well. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast, brought to you by Journey. If you'd like to learn more about what you've heard on today's show, visit Journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O and request more information about the Catalyst Life Coaching Intensive or just keep in touch. 